This is the Praying with the Eyes podcast, episode 47, The Intolerance of the Intolerant. If you drive to work, mountains, or the bowling alley, you might see a bumper sticker that reads, Tolerance. But what does that bumper sticker suggest about our lives? What does it mean to be tolerant, and why is it that it seems the people who preach tolerance are intolerant? I invite you to join Michelle Hecker and me, Pastor Doug Bronner, as we explore the virtue of tolerance in this episode of the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Welcome to the Praying with the Eyes podcast. Your hosts are Doug Bronner, Senior Pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Rochelle Hecker, Mom and Public Speaker. As an avid photographer, Doug combines the beauty of God's creation with the beauty of His Word in a Praying with the Eyes devotional blog. Today's discussion digs deeper into a topic that was first introduced in one of these blogs. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. I'm not a big fan of bumper stickers. I, I've had, uh, it wasn't a bumper sticker, but I had an Oregon uh, window sticker on my old car that I, my son gave me and I put on there. And, you know, that was okay, it's whatever. But even there, I, I just am not a fan of bumper stickers. Uh, now, but, but, Rochelle, you have a different opinion about some bumper stickers. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't like them on my own car, but... It, I, I like to read other people's bumper stickers and, you know, you know, we just talked about too that, you know, sometimes they're irritating to read because they're not, I don't agree with what they have to say. But even those, if I'm honest, I, I like forming opinions about people and building stories in my head. So uh, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm sitting behind someone, I'm going to judge what's, what their bumper sticker says against who they are and how they drive. And So all your prejudices come out. They do, which actually, <laughs> just yesterday I saw a bumper sticker that said, I'm a Christian on it. And I thought, wow, I wonder if that was a challenge from the pastor. Put this on your car and see how people, you know, how you drive. Okay, you know that that <laughs> no. challenge would never, ever come from me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I uh, as soon as you say that too, I, the one bumper sticker, I, I, any Christian bumper sticker, I could not put on my car because of the way I drive. And I, I've what? said this before, I think, too, in another podcast somewhere down the line or somewhere. I, I, I just have this fear that I, okay, to be very <laughs> honest, all right, here in Colorado Springs, I take this road called Powers to get to work and, and hit the street called Constitution, which is the church is on. And this is the hill, pretty steep hill called Constitution Hill. And I'm getting, one of my irritations is when people drive slow in the left-hand lane. And uh, so I'm driving in that lane, and if there's somebody in front of me, I tend to tailgate them. But a big fear, because it has happened to me once, that the person turns into the Holy Cross parking lot with me, ahead of me. <laughs> so I'm trying to be better. I did run into a cop coming down that hill last Sunday, and I was doing over the speed limit, but he didn't pull me over. Because the car next to me was going faster. <laughs> it was, oh, so it's not there is mercy. There's just worse people uh, out there. Actually, he didn't pull him over either. Uh, but one, the bumper sticker that kind of forms our conversation today with this idea of the intolerance of the tolerant is uh, the bumper sticker that says uh, tolerance on it or something. I don't know if it's tolerant or tolerance, but it, it's formed like the coexist uh, um, bumper sticker, which also bugs me. With different religious symbols made out of it, and, and and here's what I feel. I don't know what your reaction is to it, Rochelle, but my reaction to the bumper sticker is I don't like to be preached at. You're telling me I'm not tolerant, right? Well, my reaction is you're already prejudging me. If I'm one of these symbols, you think I'm not tolerant, and you think I need this message. Yeah, and so let's let's broaden it out and say it, it assumes that the Jews. Buddhist, uh, Christians, whatever the symbol that is that is on there is not tolerant. Right. And I'm just speaking in general of, of religion in general. Well, and I think that's actually right there as, as a matter well, I don't know how this will be taken, but as a matter of fact, I wonder how many of the people that put that bumper sticker on are not a member of any religion or atheist or agnostic. And so they're judging all these other religions. So, which puts them up uh, higher. Right. They're the right. tolerant ones, and it's a judge, very judgmental. And, and that's what, at least I feel judged by that, that they uh, they assume the prejudice toward me being one of those letters uh, that I am not tolerant. And, and every religion, including atheism, 
has its extremes that are that are violent. Right. And and and, and so if there's a symbol on there for atheism, I've never noticed that maybe there is. Uh, there's usually an anarchy one in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it fits that category. What we're going to talk about then is uh, intolerance of the tolerant uh, and what that means. We're going to talk about today this issue of tolerance being a virtue. And, and really going to start discussion in just a few seconds here on what is a, a virtue. And, and so we have some basic ground to work with. This is not an easy discussion we're going to have today. I pray you stay with us, that you that it doesn't get, that we don't lose you in the missus. We've talked a lot, uh, Rochelle and I, in preparing for this today, and we realize that both of us kind of walk into this topic with some trepidation uh, of our own issues and struggles with tolerance or virtues in general. And, and I got a feeling it's going to hit a chord with many different people today. The Praying with the Eyes podcast is a ministry of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And if you'd like to find out again more about us, go to our website at holycrosscs.org. Soon, soon, we are going to be streaming our worship services, uh, and we're getting ready to get that set up within the next few months and and start doing that, and that'll be up at the website. Uh, we uh, have uh, The Praying with the Eyes ministry has its own website, www.prayingwiththeeyes.com. I know I don't have to put www in there anymore, but I printed it up that way in my notes, and I just accidentally said it this morning. So, <laughs> Rochelle, don't scold me, please. I think that is a low tolerance situation. <laughs> you, you're going to be okay with that? You mean? Yeah. Okay, you're going to let, let that. that you're going to permit that. Okay, and we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, you can email Rochelle and me at questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com. Anyway, uh, so let's get into the topic. In the second segment, not this one, but the next one, we're going to talk about tolerance as a virtue. But before we do that, we need to talk about have a, just kind of a general discussion about virtues uh, themselves. Now. Uh, so to give an idea, since we don't, society really doesn't talk, at least Western culture today, uh, American culture, doesn't talk a lot about virtues. I know Bill Bennett tried to uh, in writing a book with stories about virtues and so forth, but I, I don't know how well that book sold or in what kind of questions it engendered in people. But uh, just an example where uh, virtues that are not necessarily Christian or not Christian, but in society... People might identify it would be like prudence and charity, justice, temperance, courage. We're going to talk about courage more here in, in just a moment. And one of the blogs is going to be in the show notes for today. You can go to prayingwiththeeyes.com in the opening banner. You'll see episode 47, uh, the intolerance of the tolerance. You can click on that and the link to these uh there's three different blogs we'll put into it. And by the way, this one is a little different. Our podcast is a little different than others. It is not based on a uh a daily devotional blog that uh, was out there. I ran across this one article on tolerance. I don't remember how, but right mm-hmm. away I said, uh, this is something I want to deal with. And I, if I would have known where we're at right now, I'm not sure I would have said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, huh. But anyway, so uh, one of those is uh, an article by uh, Daniel uh, Lattier, why so many tolerant people are actually intolerant. And, and he's actually, what his blog is, and I would suggest you read this one first, is kind of a, a summary of another blog that's going to form part of our discussion today, and we'll get to that later. But he defines a virtue this way. Uh, a virtue is a behavioral disposition that lies between the extremes of deficiency and uh excess and assist one in pursuing good. And now um, I think I'll put that in the notes too. I'll put that right there so you can go back and look at it. There's a lot there and we're going to unpack that for you. His definition relies heavily upon Aristotle and uh, from his Nicomachean uh, ethics and and there'll be a, a sparks note uh, uh, link there for you to find out more about uh, Aristotle's uh, Nicomachean ethics and, and the summary of it. But so let, let's take that. I'm going to read it one more time and then let's break it down. So again, a virtue is a behavioral disposition that lies between the extremes of deficiency and excess and assists one in pursuing good. So let's take courage. Instead, we get back to courage. Let's, let's look at, at courage here. Um, the so that that he he says there's a deficiency and so let's look at that first. The deficiency of cow, of courage is cowardice, 
And, and so fear keeps a person from exercising courage. Well, can you, can we, let's go a little further with that, Rochelle. What does that say to you when we say that deficiency of courage is cowardice and fear gets involved here? <laughs> That's too big of a question. Um, I'm already changed in my head. The deficiency of courage is the opposite of courage. Um, <laughs> well, well, actually, the deficiency and the excess. I I don't know if we can say they're 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 that they're opposites. I think that word excess. Of, it means la- deficiency or, is lack or, or, of right. Yeah, lack yeah. of courage is cowardice. So, and it's saying that fear keeps a person from exercising courage. And I think my brain's already going. Is that the only reason? I, I think I'm asking too many questions in my head. Um, well, that's what yeah. we were doing a lot before we, when we prepared for this podcast. That's why we're entering into it with some fear and trepidation. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, so I can say I, I agree with that. Fear keeps a person from exercising courage, certainly, but not all. And courage is overcoming fear. So here's how it works for me, because uh, I, I, in one of the blogs that I read in preparation for today talks about you know, that we lean toward one of these um, the, these deficiencies, that one of these excesses, uh, not excess, come on, one of these um, extremes, one of these extremes, extremes. one of these extremes, go. and I, I tend to go toward the extreme of cowardice, and because I, 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 I build up a scenario in my brain of why I can't do something. You know, what I think will help the discussion is to put both the excess, extremes out there. So one extreme is cowardice. The other okay. extreme okay, let's do is that. rashness. So, yeah, let's go. Let's, yeah. Then rashness would be acting as if there's no fear at all. Yeah, and totally disregarding fear and, and danger. Yeah, that would be that extreme. And, and so we act rashly in a situation without any thought about consequences and so forth, where for me, I'm thinking too much about possible consequences and, and it, it, and it keeps me from, it immobilizes me uh, from right. ma- making an action and it's not courageous. Now that's not always, there are things that, that I think I'm pretty courageous in. So, you know, I think that it's it, sometimes it's situational too, what we're talking about. Oh, I'm sure it's situational, but yeah. And then the rashness Almost sounds like courage until you think about a kid that just runs in front of a car because I don't realize there's a danger there. Yeah, right? acting it's, like it's, Superman, I'm going to stop the car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no fear in that. That's not. That's a rashness. I like that word rashness in the, in 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 this context because to me that's a, a definition for me of rashness is that just not a thought. You just do it. That's what it's making me laugh a little. Is the Deficiency of courage is thinking too much about it. <laughs> and then the rashness is not thinking at all about the situation, you know. Yep, yep. It goes back to me, uh, and I've shared before in different venues, my soccer coach in seminary. I played one year of soccer at seminary after playing four years in, in college. And I, and I moved from uh, defense to uh, keeper, and I was not good. And my first game... Uh, sitting there in, in him uh, saying to me, you stink, you're no good, you know? Oh. And, and, and so just that kind of thought just kind of pull, makes me pull back. I'm no good. I'm not, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to try anything. Uh, you know, and, and when I'm afraid of something, I, I it's not necessarily that voice I hear, but something similar to it that you're going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. That's the number one thing that leads me toward cowardice is that, it, that no matter what I do, it's going to fail. So I just fail by not doing. Right. <laughs> okay. now, so let's talk for a second on the other side of that, though, rashness. And, and I think there's a real danger, even though I'm not on that side of the, the equation. Uh, I, I, I have experienced where individuals have acted rashly uh, to move forward a project that right. may get the project done. But the consequences of it afterwards, the human carnage left behind, uh, can be severe. Right. I'm just thinking that's a good example. There's I mean, a lot of examples. But, yeah, just pushing through, regardless of what the different dangers may or may not be, just getting things done. Yeah, yeah, we got to do it. So courage, then, uh, exists somewhere between these two extremes. So it doesn't disregard fear. Uh, it, it doesn't disregard consequences. Let's do it that way. Yeah, it doesn't disregard consequences, but also it doesn't it, it doesn't let those consequences limit an action or or, or 
um, keep an action from happening. That's what I was going to say. I, I think it does allow it to limit the action. Oh, I think okay. the difference I got is okay, control. I got, I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I think you're right in the right direction, but it, it, it sets limits to what I will do. Instead so that of being I'm not, rash, instead of being and, rash. Right. Instead of acting rashly, but it overcomes the things that can be disregarded, which is fear. Okay. So what I, what I, I like what you're saying. So courage as a virtue is the ability to understand that fear brings in some limitations, but then, um, how'd you say it then again? Because the, the, I see, just to understand, I struggle with the other side of the equation of rashness. Right. I, I think it really is just balancing the pros and cons and looking at the entire situation as a whole and recognizing what fears can be overcome because they're not rational necessarily or they can be dealt with and which fears are practical. Well, that's it. And, and we'll leave it with this thought, too. And, and, I respect that. Yeah. And then before we move on to the next section, uh, the everything you read about virtues probably relies upon Aristotle here again, says that you virtues are not learned so much in a classroom. There is some head knowledge to it, but that they are practiced. That's the only way you can do it. The example that's used is of an athlete who's trained and worked and is hard, but only sits on the bench. You know, it, that it's different than a spectator. It's not a spectator. A spectator doesn't done all the training. This is a person who has all the head knowledge about it, but never puts it to practice. But that in the, 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 the school of virtues, it's something that is practiced. It's something that's lived out. It's something that's done and has to be, be lived out. And we'll get to more of that as we can move along. I think that's interesting, too, because the learning process allows for mistakes in virtue then. Exactly. And that's my biggest fear is mistakes. Well, anyway, we'll talk about or failure. Uh, when we come back in this next uh, with this with this kind of ground level understanding and very basic understanding of virtues, we're going to move on to asking the question, is tolerance a virtue? And we'll be back in just a moment. Are you looking for a place where you are welcomed as you are? A place where your thoughts are welcomed as well as your doubts? A place where you can talk about God without being judged? Then I invite you to join in the life-changing experience of Life Tree Cafe. At Life Tree Cafe, you will spend an hour gathering with others to experience a host-led discussion over topics ranging from serious, fun, and quirky. For more information about Life Tree Cafe and for a location near you, visit their website at www.lifetreecafe.com. If you live in the Colorado Springs community, you are more than welcome to join us at Holy Cross for one of three Life Tree experiences on Monday or Tuesday over the lunch hour from 1145 to 1245 or on Wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m. Life Tree Cafe. Come join the conversation. I'm glad you're still with us. And we're going to go a little deeper now into the question, is tolerance a virtue? Remember that you can email us with your questions or thoughts at questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com. Again, that's questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com. So let's begin this discussion by first uh, reviewing what a virtue is, as we talked about in the last segment. Again, just to give you that, that definition, a virtue is a behavioral disposition that lies between the extremes of deficiency and excess and assist one in pursuing good. You know, something we didn't talk about uh, that we probably should have talked about last uh, in the last segment is that whole idea of, of, of pursuing good. Because um, the reason why virtues are, are lived is, is so that um, there's a higher good coming out of it or... or um, yeah, it's funny because you're trying to look at philosophy would say because you're pursuing the higher good. Sociology would say because you want a society that can coexist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's let's take this idea of the extremes when it comes to tolerance. Uh, the extremes. What are the what's the deficiencies and what are the excesses uh, of uh, tolerance? So I'm going to read to you a paragraph from Bud Zazuski's article, which is really the foundation for this discussion today. Uh, it, if you're going to find this, you're going to read it, uh, make sure you're well-rested and, <laughs> and you've got your processing brain on. He's and a, you have he, some time. Or I, <laughs> Honestly, I had to break it up into pieces time-wise. And, and because I was processing it, you and I uh, delayed recording this podcast so I could, could uh, 
consume chew it, on and it chew on it and think about it more. So from this from this article article by Bud Zizuski, by the way, that's one word. It's his last name, uh, J. Bud Zizuski. Uh, anyway, uh, he writes, right away we see that intolerance shows itself in two different ways, for we can err in either of two different directions. One way is by an excess of indulgence, putting up with something we should suppress. Let's call this air the air of soft-headedness. The other way that the air that we can air is by a deficiency of indulgence, uh, indulgence, suppressing what we should put up with. Let's call this the air of narrow-mindedness. Each of these two opposite airs is a deviation from true tolerance. Each of them, therefore, has the same claim to the name of intolerance. You know, intolerance in itself means being not tolerant. And I think we've more narrowly defined it as simply meaning narrow-mindedness in our culture today. But what Bud Zizewski is getting at is that even soft-headedness is not tolerance. Therefore, it is intolerant. Uh, so, again, let's spend a few moments talking about the deficiency of, of tolerance being soft-headedness. That is, putting up with something we should suppress. And, and um, it seems to me that is... Um, what tolerance actually is defined as today, that we're going to put up with something. Right. Whether you agree with it or not, you should just deal with it. Whether you th- Even if you think it's completely morally terribly wrong, you need to be tolerant of others that don't agree with you. And, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and talk about, for me in this aspect, is the whole discussion of diversity and and. Uh, there's another, I don't know if I want to put it in. Uh, should I put that other blog that you found uh, in the show notes? Virtues of civil society tolerance. Uh, I probably should. I now that I've mentioned it, I better put it in there. <laughs> I guess uh, so. I hear, here's, I'm going to read a quote from him. This we don't want to be censoring no, people. We don't. No, we well, actually don't. Um, uh, the deficiency of tolerance, again, is what we're talking about. And um, I know a number of us are going to agree with what he says here, but I want to challenge it. Where he says, a tolerant person welcomes diversity, appreciates pluralism, believes that differences help us to promote a better society. Tolerant persons are more inclined to heterogeneity than homogeneity. They believe that different approaches bring us in some better solutions. I have to say, so what I shared with Rochelle when we were prepping for this is something to think about. And this is why I challenge it. I, I, I do agree with that. And... and Here's where how I agree with it. In our leadership ministry team meetings at Holy Cross, uh, the staff is uh, gets together on Wednesdays, and I absolutely appreciate the diversity within that group. We, uh, I, I want to glean out of the other staff members when we're talking about something that, that I want them to disagree with me. I want them to push me uh, on things. I don't like it maybe emotionally, but I still <laughs> want them to do that with me. But within that diversity, there still is a homogeneity. There still is something that we all have in common, which for us is our values uh, our, and from uh, seeing our theology from a Lutheran standpoint. There's a homogeneity there, even among that diversity. And what I, I would say is uh, I understand that aspect of diversity uh, but I, I, and, and celebrating it. But within the context of still some homogeneity, because if there's not some common ground, diversity is not going to be celebrated. Right. Well, and as you're talking, it's another example of the definition sounds good. But when you put it into practice, you realize it's 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 not a strong definition simply because it depends on what situational place you've put it. And it almost shows that the person who wrote that definition has a specific idea of what that should look like. Um, in their head, and if you don't agree, then you're intolerant. Um, <laughs> well, to me, it tends to our you know. pious platitude. It, it sounds really good and, and great, but it's just a platitude. It right, doesn't deal with the reality. Yeah, exactly. It does because right. the practice is something different. So you can take even in politics, and I'm not talking about between Republicans and Democrats. I'm talking about within dem- the Democrats and within the Republicans. There's not homogeneity, and so it's, it, it gets. The battles get pretty bitter, you know, and even at that level. Um, and, and, and yeah, we should celebrate the diversity within those, those parties, whichever party you're in. I'm not picking on any one of them. 
But the reality is um, that it's not. And why I believe is because the issue of homogeneity is not being addressed. And, right. And so, we're not looking for common ground. We're not we are only common. searching out our diversity. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Uh, and and then so let's go to the other side of it. And uh, this is the one that most people would say define as intolerance is narrow mindedness. And that is suppressing what we should put up with. Uh, see that? I think we I, many people have a tendency toward narrow mindedness. I know I sure do. Well, see, I want to sit there and argue. I think the problem with the whole definition for us that causes us to be called narrow minded whether we are or not, is it suppressing what we should put up with? How do you define what should and should not be put up with? Exactly. And we're going to talk about that in a moment because that's critical to answer the, to this whole discussion. Uh, and, and, and according to modern definition, we should put up with anything. You should just put up with it. Whether you agree with it or not, you need to be tolerant of it. And yeah, there is no... Okay. But There's in practice, no not the boundary. practice. Okay, that's the that's the that's the theory behind tolerance, which puts it towards soft headedness. But the practice right. is not that way, because this whole discussion is about the intolerance of the tolerant people who say, and I can be one of these. I'm not pointing trying to point a finger here. Uh, that it's just say, easier to see someone doing it to you than you exactly, doing it to someone else. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about a practical application of this. Uh, and, and so before we, before that, the question then of tolerance concerns what is allowed and what is suppressed. Uh, and in, so that we can be the best human that we can be. That was what I was looking for earlier. The whole goal in, in the virtues and practicing the virtues, not knowing them, practicing the virtues, is that we can be the best human being we can be. Now, we're going to relate this to our Christian faith in, a, in, in this podcast. So please bear, bear with us. And that's going to be, uh, well, we can do some of that here in the next segment too. But, but specifically, we're going to tackle that in the, in the segment four. So, uh, but we just want to keep pushing forward here. So how being the best human uh, you can be. So Rochelle brought up this idea, and I think it's fantastic to talk about this whole issue. Uh, being tolerant, uh, the tolerance between vegetarians and meat eaters. Okay. <laughs> now, some of you, I bet, are already offended that we're taking this topic on. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, but there is. Why, and why would that be? Why, why would somebody right away be offended by us even bringing this topic up? I, I, it goes back to values. Excuse me. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Um, and, and, and what we value, thinking it's an be, absolute. Because each of these meat eaters or vegetarians can push toward narrow-mindedness and say everyone must be a vegetarian and everyone must eat meat. And I've heard I've heard arguments both ways. I have. I've uh, uh, we have uh, our son has a good friend, a long, long time friend who's a vegetarian. She's pretty good though about it. Uh, but but yeah. you know you, you can hear that argument of um, the plants are better for us. Uh, they were God gave us at creation. You can even give a theological argument. It wasn't until after the flood that God said eat eat the animals. Uh, you know and and. Uh, Right. And in today's society, we don't need meat because there's plenty of nutrition in other forms. And what's interesting, too, is I've heard specifically a person recently telling me you got to have uh, uh, the meat in, in your diet. You got to have animal fats and, and our bodies crave and need animal fats. And he was he was adamant about this. He talked about when we went to to Honduras, uh, we have the a ministry here at Holy Cross called uh, Feed the Children, and which helps provide protein in the form of chicken most of the time to children in the surrounding villages of Lepaderique. And I said, yeah, you know, we do this. It gets protein in their diet. What they really need is animal fats. And that's, that's why it's good, too. That's okay. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Right. So, so here, the opinions are very strong as to how we must live for our health. And, you know, it's interesting too, for humanity. You want to be the best human you can be. Many vegetarians think it's inhumane <laughs> to eat meat. Um, I don't know too many meat eaters that think it's inhumane not to eat meat. Right, right. But I, but I think they could argue that. 
I don't think it's always about the values being opposite each other, just different values within their, the, where, why they either choose. Why to, they do theirs. Yeah. 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 One or the other. So, um, you, you have a personal, uh, relationship to this issue. Well, sure. Because I have a very adamant vegetarian in my family. Um, because she loves animals so much, she just can't understand how. And you know, so people often ask her, "Do you include fish in that?" She's like, "Yes." Almost everybody I know has had a fish as a pet. How could you eat your pet? Um, so, we have that side and that extreme in our household, and then the rest of us do eat meat, and we have to sit at the same table together. And how do you make that work? Um, Where does no, what, actually what, I, <laughs> let me let me rephrase that question? Where okay. does tolerance come in for you and your household? Tolerance comes in and in, in a few different ways. One rule we had when my daughter became a vegetarian is you may not try to convert the rest of the family. You, you can't um, spend your time. I, I didn't want mealtime to become an argument about what we were eating. So okay. once in a while, we have to bring that up. That so that's remember, suppressing. That's a suppression issue. You are suppressing was, any discussion of one way or the other is from any family member saying, you all have to do what I do. Right. Right. Yes. There you go. You may not dictate other people's policy at the table. Um, and then now I forgot the other. Well, so you, you were talking before you know, <laughs> on, this, on the side of um, of uh, allowing you. you how, so how do you. So mealtime looks like what? Well, and it's interesting, too. It, I don't stick to it as well, but I, I we provide something healthy vegetarian and something with meat almost every meal now some of the toleration is sometimes the meat eaters have a vegetarian night and my vegetarian still has to sit at the table with us when we have meat we try to do it every other night so there's leftovers for people if that makes sense yeah it does yeah sure it does sure sure you know, I, I see it well to me is a good example of of what uh, the, the value of tolerance first of all it's being practiced it's not head knowledge you have to put this into practice. How do you do it? You will not con- try to convert anyone at this table as to your position. Suppression. Right. But we're going to allow everybody to eat what they prefer. What they prefer. And we are going to be kind to one another. Do not set the meat in front okay. of the vegetarian. Okay. That's not nice. So for <laughs> you and I talked about this before. And so let's, let's wrap this discussion up by talking about that decision was based on values, Right. Right. So when we talk about a a virtue and, and especially here now tolerance, how we understand tolerance and how it's lived out is based on our set of values. Values and do you put? I, I feel bad because I didn't make you ahead of time define values. Is values morals? Are they the same? Are they different? Well, okay, I let's not really let's not split hairs right now. I think because okay. I think we can say <laughs> for a basic discussion, we're talking about morals uh, to morals and values, and let's not. Okay, let's, let's just put them all together. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else may want to take that on and and give us a uh, send us an email about that, and maybe it's a good for another podcast. But uh, um, right now, let's just kind of treat it that way. Okay. So, what what would you say is your prime value? For that kind of Ooh. tolerance being worked out, I, and I know sprung, I'm springing this one on you. We didn't prepare for this. Is there a value or so, a couple of values that you see were at work in your decision to operate this way? Actually, yes, and and thankfully our family has talked about family values and how different families have different value sets. But one huge one that I was raised with and pass on is independence. That's a good value. Um, not but how everybody you're agrees independent, with that. But, you are, but I'm going to go with this way. How your independence uh, affects other people, though. So there, right. there, there's a mutuality. There's a, a sense of community involved in your, uh, in what I'm hearing behind what you're saying, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but is there's also that sense of community in it, uh, that uh, fostering some kind of independence doesn't mean you're, you, you negate community. You don't neg- negate community, but you do... At some point, each of my children is going to be on their own and having to make their own choices and decisions, and I want them to be functioning individuals apart from me. Okay, so this makes a good segue into our next segment, because maybe it's not so much values here, it it, it is, but maybe we're also talking about how different virtues relate to each other. 
And that's going to be the topic of our next section. We're going to talk about tolerance in relationship to other values. We'll be back in a moment. At Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, we encourage those who hunger to be nourished by God. We believe that true nourishment for our lives is met in our Creator and Redeemer God. At Holy Cross, we proclaim the message that our God desires intimacy with us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that worship is an experience of this intimacy. To find out more about our worship styles and times, visit our website at www.holycrosscs.org. That again is holycrosscs.org. And if you don't live in the Colorado Springs community or you are part of a different Christian community, we encourage you to join with God's people as He nourishes His relationship with you. One of the things Rochelle and I just talked about in that break was that sometimes with tolerance, I guess, comes pain. When you look at the definition of, of tolerance uh, and the etymology of the word, it's to endure and and and, and uh, especially in the face of pain and hardship. And and I we know words migrate; they change over time. And I think most people see tolerance today as uh, allowing or permitting things, uh, accepting something or someone, and that's kind of more of the the definition of tolerance today but i still think there's that aspect to it of enduring and and fortitude that's a, a part of it as well that was a good point rochelle brought that up thank you yeah i was just remembering when you have a high pain tolerance that means you can tolerate more but and it works emotionally and spiritually too what i put up with is still painful to me and i think we need to acknowledge that and i i go back to your whole issue with being a this issue between vegetarian and meat eaters, there's pain involved in that. I mean, it's not as strong as any other, but you know, you had to come to a decision that may not have been beneficial to your vegetarian in your house. Who or is. the other side. Yeah. It, it, it okay, comes yeah, with because, some sacrifice. Yeah. Because there are meals you have as vegetarian. Right. We've all learned to like tofu. Oh, no, 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 you haven't. No, we have. Everybody no. at the table will eat. I bet we learned to cook it right. <laughs> okay. I've heard that also about liver. <laughs> so I put well, there, I'm with you on that one. Side. <laughs> <laughs> I worked with a pastor once who, when we would go out to restaurants, if they had liver and onions on the menu, he would eat it every time. Mm. And then we had my to husband would make it for himself when I left town because I wouldn't cook it. Well, okay. You you're not very tolerant. Because not only would I not you're eat not very it, tolerant. I would not <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on. So if you have any questions, you can email Rochelle and me at, at questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com or any kind of statement to her you want to make or you want to just communicate with us. We're glad to hear from you. So um, in um, today's society, uh, tolerance or even maybe it's extremes seem to be elevated above other Virtues, and in fact, I would say I'm I'm going to go out and, and state something that's really not true, but just to get us thinking about it, is that sometimes it's the only virtue. Uh, I, I, do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, uh, uh, do you see I, that? Or I definitely it? agree that it's elevated. We look at um, our universities, and they are hiring professors and and doing the things according to their views on diversity, which is tolerance, right? It is. It um, is. It, so it's elevated there. It's elevated in what we're taught. And, a narrow, thinking, and a narrow view of diversity, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. It, it's, yeah. Within and a I homogeneous was, community says. Up, and I don't hear us talking that much about yeah, charity yeah. or prudence. Certainly not. Um, justice is up there, but okay. it comes along with the tolerance. I have to give the University of Texas, which is really hard for me to do, University <laughs> of Texas some credit here because uh, Bud Zizewski is a, a professor in the Department of Government there. Uh, he's also authored the book True Tolerance, Liberalism, and the Necessity of, of Judgment. And that does not sound like a book that would come out of a university today or a professor that would be allowed to teach there because uh, he has some things he's, I, I believe he's, he's just from reading it. I would say he probably comes from a Roman Catholic background and, and, and that's just my guess. I'm not, I don't have anything to back that up, but, um, so I, I thought, it's still out there. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's balance out there, but I do agree that tolerance is, well, just like you said, that's what's on the bumper stickers. I'm not seeing uh, any bumper stickers out there reminding me that I need to be more charitable. 
Okay, I so just, uh, I was going to go for a little further with that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get off on it. We won't get to this topic we want to talk about. But, so, uh, but why? So we, we can agree that what we see, what we observe, and that's all we can go by, that this... Um, um, this this um, my mind's gone blank. Uh, <laughs> that tolerance is elevated above the other virtues. So, and the question is, why is it elevated? Why? why? What is it about it? I can say uh, two big things. One, people don't like conflict, and they think that's the easiest way to avoid conflict. And then the other would be, we as a society have been intolerant in areas. We've gone to the extreme of intolerance. That's um, now I'm forgetting the two extremes, but. Um, soft-headedness, you know, yeah, you got soft-headedness and, and narrow-mindedness. Okay, I think we've had a narrow-mindedness in some areas that is being there's a big pushback against, and it's pushing us all the way to soft-headedness. So I see that in the realm of politics, and you look at the Republican Party. My observation is that uh, that parties within that taking control of the Republican Party are very narrow-minded and suppress anything else in that party that would be different by name calling and so forth where in that narrow mindedness may also be there in the democratic party but the impression is that it it tends to be more uh, soft-headed that whatever you, you want but it, ah, it's not really there's narrow I'm, well i'm just laughing because my daughter and i had a discussion this morning about parenting we were just being silly but i talked about how the book that I'm going by is the one my parents went by, which wouldn't have put up with this. And, you know, and she was arguing the other side of it being too strict. And and we were enjoying the whole, um, you know, the, the parenting that would never, ever make an extra piece of the meal for a vegetarian. Um, I, I think that's the society we came from. Dictate policy and everybody must conform to it. Yeah, that was the way my family worked. I just think that's how society was, and yeah, it was working yeah. for a while, but not for everyone. There were people there being suppressed um, that were very hurt by that. And I think now yes. you're seeing the uh, what I can't remember the, I the think outlash. We've, I think we've gone through the 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 backlash to that. Okay, backlash. where, where we we sit there and we go to the other excess. And, right now, and, everything's okay. And now we see a pendulum trying for some people going back to this narrow-mindedness, which I don't want to go back to again because I totally agree with you. You know, and 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 it was not healthy in my family uh, to suppress opinions. It wasn't healthy. It didn't mean it doesn't mean you like them, uh, but <laughs> right. but but these they weren't harming anybody. They weren't doing damage to anybody. It was exploration that we that was. It was not encouraged. Uh, um, so there was a balance lost, and and now you're right. I, I'm seeing what you're saying too. Now you can see both extremes. Yeah, and and oh. you know, right, that's really good. You can see both extremes. So what we're getting at here is tolerance is one of of many virtues, and you know there's different lists of virtues. Some that are extensive, and and then you get the uh, the seven heavenly uh, uh, virtues developed by Pope Gregory if that counteracted the seven deadly sins. Uh, you know, there's so many different lists, but let's just talk here in the terms of how do they relate to each other. And the example that's been used in in our reading here by Bud Zizewski, is that of a of spokes on a wheel. And all, many of us, not maybe all of us, but many of us have ridden a bike. And so if your spoke got bent, eventually the whole wheel will collapse because the other, the other spokes will weaken after time. Not immediately, but after time, enough bumps and enough potholes or whatever else, the other spokes will also, uh, uh, will also start to collapse. And you just get this thump, 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 thump sound when you start riding your bike uh and and the um the thought behind it is that's what happened with vir- happens with virtues is when one virtue is damaged and misunderstood it affects the other virtues so for example courage uh, might be affected we've talked about courage and in uh, that virtue may suffer damage because of the damage that's done and in the misunderstanding of tolerance. Is that making sense? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's how I see it playing out, as I said. But let's just take courage and tolerance. So if uh, uh, tolerance uh, is more understood in the terms of, uh, is defined more as narrow-mindedness, 
in that excess that's there, let's say it's, that's where we lean toward. Courage then is damaged because it, people who might otherwise be courageous won't because of the consequences. Because people are being intolerant uh, of another opinion. And you see that in the world where you've had a dictator, right? Yeah. Or you see that you described that a little bit in business where someone has a great idea or wants to try something new, but you've got the dictatorship leadership in that organization that uh, shuts you down. And it so, does. So it doesn't encourage uh, someone to be courageous. It discourages somebody from being courageous. It, it, not saying that there won't be people that are there. Society and history is filled with people who have when suppression has taken place, have been acted courageously in spite of it. And for me, an example would be uh, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, which also is, you know, both of them, actually, mm-hmm. both of them fit that both category, fit that category very well. Uh, Martin but the Luther reason we the know their names is because things was were out of balance. And so they had to act in a large way. And they were to counterbalance huge efforts to suppress them, not not allow them, you know, jailings uh, for for Martin Luther, it was uh, the papal bull that said anyone could kill him, you know, <laughs> basically that he was an outlaw. And that was suppression of what he was saying. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. thrown in prison. Uh, you know, a lot of attempts to suppress it. And we've seen that. Um, so we, what we're getting at here again is that idea that when a value such as tolerance, and specifically in our conversation, tolerance, is misunderstood to one excess, I mean, it's to one um, extreme or the other, whether it be uh, toward the end of letting everything go, soft-headedness or narrow-mindedness, courage would suffer, and then other virtues as well. Well, yeah, and I was going to say it's not just suffering because that our definition of tolerance is a little bit off but it's suffering because we are elevating tolerance above the other virtues. We think it's more important to be tolerant than to be, uh, than to have justice sometimes. And then, and then I got to go, I'm totally agreeing with you, but I'm going to take it a little step further is that it's my definition of tolerance, how I understand tolerance and which side of the extremes do I lean toward? Because everybody does, you know. That's one of the things in these virtues. You got. We all got to understand. None of us are without struggle with the, the, the with the with the extremes. We all do. You don't think we're all centrally balanced? I don't think so. My my <laughs> my bicycle wheel is pretty thumpy. <laughs> and so, what that bleeds me into what I want to talk about that's going to kind of help us segue into the last segment is, I think by this point, Rochelle, our listeners can be sitting here saying, "What's the use?" Well, I was just thinking that you brought me to that point of, well, well, then what hope do we have if we're always going to be on a thumpy bike? <laughs> that's right. Know? That's right. And so what gift we have in this discussion about virtues, which is going to actually lead into the discussion about the fruit of the spirit, is grace. You know, and, 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 and redemption. And, and I wish Bud Zizuski would have gone a little further with us. He mentions that at one point that it's an issue of redemption, but that's he only makes that statement. And then he really doesn't doesn't play it out like I was hoping he would. But to so me, now you have to do it, which is, which is good, right? No, me. How about us? We have to do it. <laughs> I, mean, I find that the only thing like in every aspect of my life that really makes a difference is understanding uh, God's grace. In this area, so let me put that more in practical terms. I told you before, I, I kind of leaned toward. Maybe I didn't, but um, this is one of those things where you think you said it, but maybe you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I leaned toward the soft-headedness side. Of I tolerance. think you said it. You okay. said it. Okay, and and I actually can go to that extreme at times, and I and inside of me it causes a personal conflict. You know, that that I can I can be so soft headed and think that, well, it's just an opinion, whatever then go. Uh, and so let, let everything go. And but then it I, builds resentment. And, and so I have to find myself receiving again the grace of God walking with me, Doug. OK, don't get wrapped around the axle of this. Yes, I understand that's the way you go. But remember, I sent my son Jesus on the cross for you. He died for you. He's forgiven you. He sets you free every day. To, to live differently. He's redeemed you. He's bought you back from your sin and the brokenness of your life to be able to grow in this area of, of true tolerance. 
because I believe tolerance is a value. I don't want to disregard it. I want to be able to look at those bumper stickers and say, yes, I need to, uh, I, 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 I embrace the value of tolerance. Maybe not in the way they understand it, but in a true understanding. Grace is, grace is makes me able to do that. Not because I've practiced it so hard that I've figured out tolerance completely. Right. Um, I'm just looking at grace and redemption because the redemption piece is the I'm going to fail at tolerating things I should and not tolerating. I can't even word it right. Anyway, the two extremes I will definitely fail at. But God's grace and his redemption is what brings me back. That's where the hope comes in. Yes. And, and that's where also repentance plays a part. And I think we have a different understanding of repentance. We just think it, we think of what it is. Uh, I'm going to go to someone and I'm going to confess I did this bad thing. They're going to tell me that I'm forgiven, and then I'm going to walk away. Uh, and I, that is, you know, I think that's a very basic understanding of repentance. But it's deeper than that. It's self-evaluation. It's gut-wrenchingly deep, uh, open, opening ourselves up to our failures and faults and, and vulnerabilities and whatever else. And a desire for change. And a desire for change that comes into the, which is all about the grace of God. That's where change comes. Law doesn't change anybody. Uh, it, it makes change behavior, but it, it doesn't change the inside of a person. Anyway, so uh, leave you with that and let you chew on that a little bit. In this last segment, we're going to specifically tie in what Paul says in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit and its relationship to virtues. So please stay with us. We, we uh, hope this discussion is uh, not too taxing on you, uh, but opening up to this whole issue of why are people that we think are are pro- pro- uh, proclaiming tolerance being intolerant and, and now we want to talk about in relationship to what scripture says we'll be back in a moment are you looking for a place where you are welcomed as you are a place where your thoughts are welcomed as well as your doubts a place where you can talk about god without being judged then i invite you to join in the life-changing experience of life tree cafe at life tree cafe you will spend an hour gathering with others to experience a host-led discussion over topics ranging from serious fun and quirky for more information about life tree cafe and for a location near you visit their website at www.lifetreecafe.com if you live in the colorado springs community you are more than welcome to join us at holy cross for one of three life tree experiences on monday or tuesday over the lunch hour from 11:45 to 12:45, or on wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m life tree cafe Come join the conversation. There's another side to that spoke analogy that I didn't mention, but is important. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but just so some of you might be thinking, well, then if I fix the spoke of, uh, of tolerance, then all the other virtues are going to be fixed too. That's not how it works on a bicycle. Once those spokes are damaged, you have to give attention to each one of them. You can't fix one spoke of the bike and expect the other folks, the spokes to be uh, fixed as well. And, and the difficulty here is that, uh, is that each spoke, each virtue has to be worked on uh, by itself. Now, that, that's, um, that's 30,000 foot view stuff because I'm not mentioning what values and so forth. And I need you to wrestle with that. I just wanted to bring that out again. And, and I have to say that, though, in the context of grace again, that, that we do this under the umbrella of God's forgiveness for our absolute rebellion against him and, and each other and, and our self-focused. It's all about grace that allows us to do that. So, again, if you want to reach us, uh, feel free to email us at questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com. The Bible doesn't speak in terms of virtues, you know, that it's, but it does speak, as Paul talks about in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, about the fruit of the Spirit. And it's similar to what you talk about what, when you talk about the seven deadly sins versus the seven heavenly virtues. Because earlier in this, uh, before this, Paul talked about the works of the flesh. And I'm not going to read those, but the fruit of the Spirit is that the opposite, that which counteracts the, 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 uh, the nature of our sinful human flesh. So Paul writes in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I've always encouraged people, always, excuse me, I exaggerate. I have often <laughs> encouraged people that rather than count to 10, 
uh, speak the fruit of the Spirit when you're really struggling with anger or, or frustration. There's not 10 of them, there's nine of them, but it ends with self-control. <laughs> you know, uh, that's a good place to end when you're angry. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Rochelle, I, in our prep for this section, you made a really good uh, distinction about the difference uh, here in virtues and the fruit of the Spirit by where they originate. Um, yeah, and, and kind of a compare and contrast, but because I think they both, you need to have not just head knowledge, you need heart knowledge um, and work out. But obviously the fruit of the Spirit is from the Holy Spirit. So we can't work it out without him. Yeah, the fruit. Another way of translating that would be the fruit, not that is the Spirit, but the fruit that, fruit that proceeds from the Spirit. So, you know, it, I think, uh, but the fruit that the Spirit gives, I think it'd be a, another way of, of looking at how to understand this. And, and so... So it's not all on myself to accomplish these things. That's it. And, and it's one fruit, too, which adds to that aspect. Oh, of, that uh, whole wheel. That whole wheel again. <laughs> you know, it's one wheel that's together. It's one fruit. I know that's probably a cliche to many people who have studied the fruit of the Spirit. But we want to say one fruit is love and one fruit is, is, is joy and one fruit is peace. No, it's all one fruit. And when you take a bite of the fruit of the Spirit, you're taking a bite of all nine aspects of it as well and i do think that uh, a, a, re, a relationship where it's similar when we talk about the fruit of the spirit to virtues is that if peace is gone it affects the other part too because i can really see a relationship between uh, a lack of peace and self-control yeah well i can see relation yeah all of them are very relational lack of love and self-control yeah yeah uh, yeah Definitely lack of patience and so you know all of them go together. They don't even have to be linked to self control, right? <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. They can. They, yeah, yeah, right. Um, a lack of love really robs me of joy. You know how can I how can I find joy in my relationship with Janice if I don't love her? You know it's obvious. I mean it's obvious that that's going to be a byproduct of not loving her. I do think, though, that we have to really emphasize here, as you, as you said, is that <laughs> virtues deals with a secular world. We, what we've been talking about can be, be talked about in any school of thought, uh, any, uh, any homogeneous Any tolerant group. <laughs> school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be related to Scripture. What we're talking about now is something different because where the fruit originates, it is ours as a gift given to us through the grace of God in Christ Jesus by the Spirit. And so its origin makes a big difference. It always has a relationship back to God. And, and not just to me. See, virtues I can take as always a, the virtuous person. That can just be... It can even tend toward maybe self-centeredness, if you, which would be a extreme. But uh, um. no, but I can see it. If if I think I talked about someone I know that knows all the rules society should follow, uh, but doesn't understand why the rules are there, so they they have a different set of system of values as to what should be done in a situation. That's more on the secular side of virtues. You need to follow through on this because that's the rule, not because there's an underlying purpose to the rule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. We we we. I, I it think takes the fruit away of flexibility. The Spirit, exactly, and I think when we examine the fruit of the Spirit, they lead us to ask why, and that leads us back to the heart of God. And not inside of us. The fruit of spirit resides in God as a gift to us human creatures because he loves us and he made a promise to us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. I think it's connected there as well. Uh, and and connected we to our- the last sentence. Again, such things, there is no law. That's it's right. not a rule. Yep. Yep. It's not that we're against law. I mean, it's not, we're not what's called antinomian. It's not by any means. But it's a, when you're through the redemption of Christ, the law looks a lot different. <laughs> you know, it's not a have to to get right with God or with other people. It's, gosh, I am right with God. Now, how can I live a life that's the fullest? And, right. 
And, and actually, that's what the law was given to in, in Exodus 20, came out of the saving work that God already had accomplished in the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And, and now, here's how, these are stuff out of my love for you. Now, they do accuse us where we fall short. We understand that. Um, just the context of them was supposed to be out of grace. Um, so, um, as we, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the one similarity that you've, we've talked about a little bit, hinted at, is between, between um, uh, the... Virtues and fruits. Yeah, virtue, fruit. fruit <laughs> between the virtues and the fruit, is that it's not an ac- academic exercise. Now, this, I, the reason why I bring this up is because Pastor Jeffrey and I are now teaching on Sunday mornings a class on the fruit of the Spirit. But that's one hour to really understand the fruit of the Spirit is where you're out there living it and doing it again by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I think I want to emphasize, I'm kind of leave today with that idea that this is not an academic exercise, where whether whichever we're t- talking about, if it's virtues or the fruit of the Spirit, it's it's lived, it's grown in the school of practice. Right, head knowledge is not enough, and in the again idea of it's being practiced, it means you will fail and you will succeed at different times and learn and grow and change. So an example of this would be the tradition that we just came through for some of us about giving something up for Lent, which is actually an issue of self-control, that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, and learning self-control, that saying no to things that damage our relationship with God or hurt our bodies, our souls, whatever, Oh, that's related to actually gets to our relationship with God in many ways. You know, and, and it's not about the law saying I have to give up X, whatever it is. Uh, you know, it, but it's about learning self-control, practicing self-control. And so for me, what was interesting is, so I did that this year. Uh, there were two things that I purposely gave up that really get in my way of relationship with God. I've mentioned this in other podcasts. Now we're through uh, Easter. And guess what happened after Easter? Bam, did those things hit me hard. I mean, they came back like a vengeance after Easter, you know, and, and um, so it's the practice. OK, now I got to continue to practice this. I failed. Now I got to go back and, and learn. It wasn't just for that time season. Is that making sense? It is making sense. I'm trying to find my own words and I don't have any for you, but it's. It definitely makes sense that, it, yeah, it's, it's something you've got to continue to practice. And again, you get better at it. And in the, the idea of what you said, Lent, giving up something, if that was what I think what my brain was going was, it's not always about self-control for you. In your example, it was about self-control. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I get that impression. It's not. Yeah. It's not always. It's one aspect for me. Definitely it was. Um, but I can see where giving something up in Lent could be for patience. Learning, yeah. I need to learn patience, so I'm going to give up uh, saying something really nasty when somebody says something to me. <laughs> you know, I'm going to learn to be patient and listen to what they're saying, understand what they're, who they are and, and why they said that before I'm going to respond. Then I'll be nasty. <laughs> right. Then Easter comes and I can do what I want. But, you know, um. <laughs> that is so, so much um, in the background of, the, of this discussion. You know, when you talk about it, because it, it, practicing doesn't mean, oh, now I've made perfect. I mean, that there's right. that, the cliche. No, you keep practicing. Keep no, doing. Well, and, and hopefully the practice of it shows you the benefit of it. Yes. Um, and then you will want to continue forward for what's better for you that God would prefer you be. Exactly. Well, we appreciate uh, you joining Rochelle and me on this episode of the Praying With the Eyes podcast. Again, Praying with the Eyes podcast is a ministry of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where I am privileged to be a pastor. And you want to find out more about us, you can go to holycrosscs.org. Again, that's holycrosscs.org. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we're looking forward to streaming a worship service or how we haven't got that all figured out, but worship will be streamed on that website in a few months. And we've been talking about it, looking at the equipment we're going to need for that and the the logistical aspects of making that work. So uh, you'll be able to go to the website to find that as well. the bigger part of this ministry than the podcast are actually daily devotions that are written every day. We have a new writer that's joining us in this next uh, round of, of devotions. Uh, Zach Roll is uh, going to be joining us and look forward to his his blogs that he'll be 
he'll be writing. And some of us struggle to say, what do I do for devotions? And you can go there and you can read a short devotion that somebody's written around scripture and a picture. Uh, why it's called Praying with the Eyes, because it's about the picture and God's Word joining together. The beauty of God's Word connected with the beauty of His creation. Anyway, uh, I have, I'm have i a vlogger now. I have to finally admit that. Not just a blogger, but a vlogger. And that's in the Monday Morning Muses, which I love doing. I'm, I'm keeping it, trying to improve the quality of those. And on Monday mornings, somewhere around 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, I will post a vlog of some something I've been thinking about, about 10-minute uh, uh, video. Uh, uh, and that will now be now going to be up on YouTube, and, uh, the uh, Holy Cross at the Holy Cross YouTube site. So if you uh, like YouTube and you're on there, not just Facebook, you can... You'll be able to search on Monday Morning Muses. There's a couple of them on there, but you'll see see this old guy that's bald-headed and, and uh, standing with a or sitting with a microphone in front of him. That's me. And and I would love to have you join us for those Monday Morning Muses. And that's what they are. They're musings and so forth. Anyway, uh, at Holy Cross, we worship at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you come and join us for worship. If you live in the Colorado Springs community and you do not have a church home, we don't want to take anybody away from their uh, uh, their community. We want you to get in there and, and uh, to uh, fellowship with God's people and to grow in God's grace and mercy there. We look forward to you being with us in our next podcast. Thank you for joining us today on this edition of the Praying with the Eyes podcast. These podcasts are produced by Jason Laird Productions, which you can find online at jasonlairdproductions.com. For thoughts and questions that you might have, please email Doug. That is questions at prayingwiththeeyes.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Praying With The Eyes podcast on iTunes as well as post a review. We invite you to tell a friend about today's podcast by posting a link on your social media accounts. We look forward to being with you in our next episode.